while you're turning there, let me give you a, a little bit of humor. A son asks his dad, do you know the difference between a pack of biscuits and a pack of elephants? The dad thought about it for no, and the son said, that's a good thing that mom does the grocery shopping then. Uh -huh. A police recruit was asked during an entrance exam, what would you do if you had to arrest your own mother? And he said, I'd call for backup. A woman asked her doctor, should I have a baby after 35? And he said, no, 35 is enough. <laughs> I'm two months pregnant now, doctor. When will my baby move? Probably right after he finishes college. <laughs> How will I know if my vomiting is morning sickness or the flu? Well, if it's the flu, you'll get better. <laughs> what is the most common pregnancy craving for men to be the ones who get pregnant? Does pregnancy cause headaches? Pregnancy causes anything you want to blame it for. <laughs> Being a mom is not easy. Modern science has lied to us. They give us the impression that motherhood is getting easier and easier, but it has and always will be hard. There is so much against you being a mom. There's so much of the joy that that you should have as a mom is regularly stolen. Uh, I know I told you to go to, uh, well, just hold there. Let me quote for you. John chapter 16, Jesus describes, she says, a woman when she is in travail hath sorrow when she's in childbirth because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And that's missing some moms ex experience such undescribable pain and loss being a mom. Think about Eve, first mom. Can you imagine discovering your firstborn son is a murderer? Can you imagine? I mean, it's one thing to raise a son and then watch him become an addict and to be homeless. How hard that is. It's hard enough on him, I understand. He's made a lot of wrong choices, but think of the mom. Others, other moms, just constantly try and hold things together all day long. You ever heard somebody just say in the middle of all their troubles, you just have to laugh? You ever heard that? You just have to laugh. Well, God can cause you to laugh again. He can cause moms to enjoy motherhood and enjoy life. So what, what um, the truth I want to talk about this morning is that moms need to laugh, okay? Um, once it comes up. <laughs> and I mean a good belly laugh. The kind of laugh that almost hurts to laugh because it is so full. Well, you just sit back and you enjoy being a mom. Not grieving that you're the mom. And so what God does is he comes along and he tells us of a woman named Sarah and her struggle that she had with motherhood. And yet God made her laugh. Look at Genesis chapter 21. Let me make sure I got the right verse. 6, 21 and verse 6. And Sarah says, God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. Now, only a born-again Christian can enjoy a message like this because it's only going to be because the Spirit of God gives you the ability to be able to sit back and trust it's all going to work out good. Otherwise, it's not going to make any sense. So hold on to your hat and just ask the Lord, Lord, why is this not making sense to me? Why is it so hard for me to hear? Maybe because you're not saved. Mom, if, there anybody, if anybody ought to understand the principle of the new birth, it ought to be a mom who understands that baby didn't get here by accident. And nobody's born, by, born again by accident. There is something wonderful that needs to happen so that you can have joy in your life. Let's pray one more time. Father, I need your help. Outside of my experience, I don't know what to say except what you have to say. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. Lord, there are people in this room who need to be encouraged by you this morning. I pray that you would encourage through your word. Help them to see what you say and what you've done in the life of this wonderful, godly woman named Sarah. And may it bless and encourage and help somebody to trust you 
like they've never trusted before. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 11, and I'm going to take you with the first point, the first concept of what it takes to start to laugh again. Now, the world knows how to laugh. You ever have, remember when you were in primary school or even secondary school and you tripped, maybe your feet were growing too big or I don't know, and you tripped and everybody laughed at you and you kind of laughed as well, but it was very embarrassing or, or maybe you laughed at somebody else and we're very cruel in our laughter. Most people only laugh when they watch a comedy or something on TV and it's filthy. But if you want to laugh, if you want to be able to laugh in times of sorrow and be able to laugh with joy, let me tell you, first of all, look in Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. Let me give you a little bit of background on Abraham. Genesis chapter 11, verse 27, it says this. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram. That was his name before he got lengthened to Abraham. Terah begat Abram, Nahar, and Haran. And Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahar took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. In the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. Then go to chapter 12. We're going to pick up there in verse 1, but I want to say, first of all, Abraham lived and worked in a land called Canaan. I'm sorry, in the land of Ur, the Chaldees. We call it modern Iraq. If you ever looked at a map and you see Asia Minor, that's Turkey. And down here in the place, down in what's modern Iraq, is, is called, used to be called Chaldea, the Chaldees. And there's a little dot there, but it was a big major city called Ur of the Chaldees. That's where Abraham grew up, lived and worked. And the religion of Ur worshipped, well, the moon. I'm going to get to this in a second. He's going to be asked to move to a land he'd never been to before, probably never heard of before, a little triangular piece of property called the Promised Land. And uh, uh, Abraham and Sarah, as we've already learned there, are husband and wife. Remember this, they're a package deal, okay? At the, age of, at the age of 75, God says, I want you to move, and I'll tell you when you get there. He didn't even know where he was going. Um, and he steps away from the culture and religion of Ur, chose to worship and love El Shaddai. God Almighty. And that's when God spoke to him. Look in chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curses thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So God told him to actually leave his homeland, his birthplace, and to follow his voice. Just follow me until you arrive at a land that will become your new home. It's a distance of about 600 miles. It was no easy trek, okay? Now, I want you to remember where he came from. Ur the Chaldees worshipped something called, I don't know. There we are. Come back here. They, they, it's on their, their thing. They, they actually worship the moon god. This was Ur the Chaldees. This is where Abraham came from, and it's still on a map. It's still on a flag today. If you don't know what that is, I'll tell you later. Uh, Abraham is leaving that, and he's going to a place that we know as modern Israel. Now, Abraham had great faith. To actually leave everything and to follow God when everybody else was following their own religion was a big deal. But remember, Abraham was not sing single. He had a package deal. He's married to his wife. So I want you to understand, Sarah had to have great faith too. You know, to trust your husband is a big deal. Be able for, I mean, if you, ladies, if your husband came home and said, uh, I believe God wants us to move to France. You say, Yay! <laughs> we got to move to Spain. Yay! We got to move to Afghanistan. What? I mean, even harder, your husband says, we got to leave. Where are we going? I have no idea. Well, when we get there, I have no idea. That's Abraham. And Sarah's got to trust that God is leading her husband. That's a big 
deal. By the way, Abraham was not perfect. As you read about the life of Abraham, as great a man of faith he was, he had a lot of flaws. He made some stupid decisions and had some failures. Yet the point is, Sarah followed her husband. Go to chapter 13 in verse 1. Chapter 13, verse 1, And Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and a lot with him, under the south, and Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver and gold. Woohoo! You know, it'd be easy to hus- follow a husband who's got a lot of money. Hmm? I mean, why do, why do, uh, well, in Hollywood, why do all these women marry these powerful people? Money. I mean, it's not for looks. <laughs> but the money that people have, it's easy to follow and to stay along with them. She was able to stay with her husband when times were good and when times were tough. Go back to chapter 12 and verse 10. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10, and there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. He kind of didn't know what to do, so he left where God had called him, and he went down to Egypt, verse 11. It came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt, he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Now that's a nice compliment. He says, you're a looker. You're gorgeous. You're, you're knocked down dead gorgeous girl and that puts him he says he thinks in danger i know that thou art a fair woman to look upon therefore verse 12 it shall come to pass when the egyptians shall see thee that they shall say this is his wife and they will kill me but they will save thee alive now i think abraham's a little bit paranoid now maybe he had right reason to fear but he asks his wife to lie about him you know what she does she lies about him She says, okay. That's a big deal. He does it again in chapter 20. We won't go there. He's not very good at being self-confident about we're going to be okay. So he asks his wife to say, oh, I'm not married to him. I'm his sister. And that's kind of strange. I mean, most normal women would say, I'm not going to say that. That's a stupid thing to say. Chapter 13, verse 5. It says, and Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance, Lot and Abraham's, was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled, uh, dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? So separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, I'll go to the right. Can you imagine his wife going, what? You're letting Lot determine what we end up with? You're letting Lot decide Lot's going to pick the, the best location, which he does. Look in verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, and it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even the garden of the Lord is what it looked like, and like the land of Egypt as thou comest to Zoar. So verse 11 says, Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. So remember, she's letting Abraham let Lot choose their fortune. That's scary. She's following her husband. Now what's the point? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I need two powerful scriptures for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen, you've never seen it, nor ear heard, you've never heard of what we're about to read here, neither have it entered into the heart of man yet the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Does God know what he's doing, yes or no? Can God take a mess and make it beautiful? So when she's letting her husband make stupid decisions and do things, who is she actually trusting? Who is Sarah actually trusting? God, she's trusting that. I, have, I, I can only see Abraham's making a mistake here, but I'm going to trust what I can't see, and I'm going to trust God. I'll take you to 1 Peter now. Go to the right, find 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 5. 
1 Peter 3, 5. For after this manner in the old time, 1 Peter. I want you to see this, so I'm giving you time. Look in verse 5. For after this manner in old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. That's our example. Even as, here we go, Sarah obeyed Abraham, actually calling him Lord one of the times, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, do the right thing, and are not afraid with any amazement. You shouldn't be shocked that God makes everything work out for good. You shouldn't be afraid because you're trusting God. You say, I can't trust my husband. Don't trust him. Trust God. You see, Sarah was not even a mother yet. She was just a wife of a guy named Abraham. She was very happy in earth. She didn't want to leave. She didn't want to move. She was willing to stay there and die there. And she could have found plenty of flaws in Abraham's faith and in his calling. I mean, if there's anything that, that a woman can do, she can find fault. <laughs> she can see the problem. She can see where this hasn't been thought out through. And that's not a bad thing. But there she is. She could have just found plenty of flaws in Abraham's faith and his calling. And she could have become very afraid to leave her family, face the unknown. She could have put her foot down, dug her heels in and said, I'm not going. She could have said that, couldn't she? And yet, where would we be? You see, that's part of our heritage. Because Sarah did surrender the right to argue, the right, and I mean, if anybody has any right to disagree, it would be Sarah who's looking at a man who says, I just heard from God, right. And we're going to leave everything, right. And I, my, my nephew is going to decide financial future, right. And she could have found all kinds of flaws with it, but she says, I'm going to trust God just like my husband is trusting God. If we would just follow by faith. The point is, she let her husband lead. Ladies, young or old, if you're married or intend on getting married, be prepared to follow your husband. Not, some, like, not, not like some slave like the media in Hollywood tries to portray wifedom, but like a woman of God. Following him simply because you love the Lord. See, God works everything out for good to them that love God. You have never imagined what God can do for those who love God. You're trying to love your husband. It ought to be easy to love God. Follow your husband simply because you love the Lord yourself. Don't leave the, the, the spiritual responsibilities to your husband. And husbands, don't leave it to the wife. Both of you have to be walking with God. Both of you have to be saying, I've got to do the right thing. Secondly, go back to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 30. If you want to laugh, if you want to enjoy your Christian life, ladies, first thing you need to do is you need to allow, if you're married, you need to follow your husband. Secondly, you need to accept some problems are from God. Look at chapter 30, uh, chapter 11, verse 30. But Sarah was barren. She had no child. And here's the truth. Most of our troubles we create. Okay. You can blame everybody you want, but probably your decision got you where you're at. Now, if you're not creating the problem in your life, the, probably the devil is. Satan creates a lot of other troubles. But some problems are actually from the hand of God. Now, I ought to shock you. Sarah's 65 years old at this time. Abraham's 75. They've been married for years. We don't quite know how long. She's obviously tried to get pregnant. Nothing has happened. She's been barren, empty. She's not become a mother like she had so wanted. She wanted to be a mom. Not every woman wants that, but she did. She was barren. And let me say it, God caused that. Sarah struggled with that disappointment. She struggled with the problem of being not a mom. Elizabeth struggled with that. If you read about John the Baptist's mom, Hannah, Sarah, uh, Samuel's mom, struggled with not being a mom. You know, Mother's Day would have been very painful for them. Sometimes 
Christmas is painful for some people because of the memories or the lack or whatever. Mother's Day can be very painful. And nobody's here taking light of this thing. It's a special day. But not everybody has the blessing of being a mother. Sometimes it seems like God's against you. And that's how Sarah felt. And what is amazing is that God shows up and he makes a promise. Look in chapter 12, still in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. God makes a promise. God says, I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. You know what God tells Abraham and Sarah? A whole lot of children are coming. Children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren, entire nations are going to come from you, Sarah. Look in chapter 15 and verse 1. 15 and verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house, the head steward, is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. You haven't given me a child. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. What am I going to do? Verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. This servant's not going to be the one in charge when you die. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars. Count them, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. Verse 6, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now that's absolutely fantastic that God would make a, a promise that I'm going to give you children. You want children? Count those stars. And when you finish that, then you'll become close to the number of children you're going to have. Do you know what makes more noise than a child jumping on mommy's bed? Two children jumping on mommy's bed. Third thing that needs to happen is believe God yourself. See, the whole point of this thing is we always read Genesis chapter 11, 12, 13, 14. We read 30 chapters about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We read all this. We forget the wives. We forget the Sarahs. We forget this is, this is something that you can't leave to somebody else. And gentlemen, we flipped it around. Most of us leave the spirituality to our wives. And we're missing the point. If you want to laugh, Actually, enjoy being a mom again, ladies. You need to believe God yourself. You need to have a walk with God yourself. Look in Hebrews chapter 11. We'll come back to Genesis in a moment, but Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. Hebrews eleven eleven says this, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, to get pregnant and was delivered of a child when she was way past age because she, not Abraham, Abraham didn't, didn't try to believe for her, she judged him faithful who had promised. Who had promised? God had. She judged, he'll stay faithful to his promise. He'll keep his promise. She believed God herself. Abraham's faith is usually spoken of throughout the Bible. Jesus speaks of Abraham. Everybody speaks of Abraham there. But Sarah had great faith too, and she had to have it. God was not going to give Abraham children without Sarah being a part. Think about that. <laughs> they came as a package deal. Sarah was not getting any younger, and her body didn't seem to be getting pregnant. As long as she went on, it was getting more and more impossible for her. What is she going to do? Well, she believed God, she believed what God had promised anyway. Uh, she didn't believe her empty womb. Believe me, we always believe what we see, and we need to start believing what we can't see. She didn't believe her impotent husband. She didn't believe how she felt. She decided not to believe in her past experiences of failures. She didn't worry about disappointments. She just believed God herself. You will go wrong trusting everything and everyone else, but you'll never go wrong trusting God's promises. That's the truth, Christian. Number four, don't be impatient. <laughs> Go back to Genesis chapter 16. 
Genesis 16, verse 1. Now Sarah's faith is going to be tested. Chapter 16, Genesis, first verse of chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bear him no children. Now the point being that they've been trusting God. It's been 10 years now. Nothing's happened. And she says, I'm still not pregnant. And so she has a handmaid, a servant, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. Now what you can hear kind of the bitterness in her voice. I pray thee, I'm telling you, go in unto my maid. It may be that I obtain children by her. What do we call that? Surrogacy. A surrogate mother. It may be that I may obtain children by her, and Abram hearkened unto the voice of Sarai. Does anybody see how this could go wrong? <laughs> Verse 3, And Sarai, Abram's wife, took, uh, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, uh, Abram, to be his wife. And he went unto Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. She being Hagar, she says, I'm in trouble. Verse 5, And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon who? Who's she blaming now? Abram. Oh, gentlemen, when you get married, <laughs> who's going to be blamed for it raining? It just, oh, things go wrong? She says, My wrong is your fault. Um... Sarah said to Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, when Hagar saw that she's gotten pregnant, I was despised in her eyes, and the Lord judged between me and thee. She's upset. So how long has she waited? Nothing has happened for 10 years, and she gets impatient. You know, one of the root sins of our life, long before murder occurs... <laughs> Long before adultery occurs is impatience. The trouble that's in our life is because we can't get ourselves to trust God. Our, our pride says, I know better. God, if you're not going to work, I'll just jump ahead. So Sarah comes up with a way to bypass God. It's called surrogacy. It's a surrogate birth. Can you imagine what could go wrong with this? Uh, impatience will ruin most people and especially Christians. If you're not waiting to get married, if you're not waiting for the right person, if you're not waiting, if, if things are just against you and you just can't get what you want, say, I want my dream job. Okay, search for your dream job. But if you don't get it, don't get impatience and just quit and sit on, uh, on, on your Todd and do nothing. Work until you get an opportunity to get into your dream job. Don't be impatient. A lot of born-again Christians become angry, bitter and backslidden simply because God didn't do for them what they wanted him to. Think about that. I know people right now, I know them, way too many of them, who they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and nothing happened, so they stopped, said, I'm not a Christian anymore. What? What? I was there when you got saved, man. You're just angry at God because you want it now. Sarah was so bitter at this point. They forget that the consequences of our impatience are always worse than just trusting God. I'd rather wait, trust God, do without than to jump ahead and have to live with my stupidity. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I get to chapter 17, Genesis chapter 17 now. Oh, by the way, Hagar results in the Arabs, all of the Arab nations around there that hate Israel, they are the product of Sarah's desire to bypass God and get impatience. And that mess that's over in the Middle East goes back to a bit of impatience. So they give up. Chapter 17, verse 1. Chapter 7, when Abram was 90 years old now, he started off 90 and 9. He started off at 75 is now 24 years later, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the Almighty God. Remember me? Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. 
and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Can you imagine how that hurt? God, you keep promising that, and nothing happens. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. I mean, this is hard. Verse 6, and I will make of thee exceeding, and I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. So God reminds Abraham and Sarah of his promise, but nothing God is saying helps. Nothing helps. So they give up. Look at verse 15, chapter 17, verse 15. God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Now, uh, that's not helping. That actually doesn't. Because look in verse 15, chapter 17, uh, I read that. Um, verse 18, no, 17 now. And Abraham fell upon his face, and what did he do? What kind of laugh do you think he had? <laughs> yeah, right. This was the wrong kind of laugh. He's given up. It's, it's to him, it's like, God, I don't want to hear it anymore. You keep repeating this promise. <laughs> I just have to laugh. It's airy-fairy. Keep going. Look at verse 18. Oh, let me finish verse 17. Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, just let Ishmael be before thee. Oh, that Israel might be the child. Verse 19. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, we'll come back to that name in a second. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Abraham laughs. But not only does Abraham laugh, run down there to verse uh, chapter 18 and verse 9. Chapter 18 and verse 9. They said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife, by the way? And he said, Behold, she's back in the tent. Verse 10. And he said, I will... This is God talking. I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. Nine months. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah did what? She laughed within herself saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord? being old also. And I like this, verse 13. The Lord said to Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? Why did Sarah laugh? Saying, Shall I have a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for me? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah did what? She said, I didn't laugh. I laughed not. Because she, she was afraid. And the Lord said, Nay, but thou didst too laugh. All right. So in the middle of all of this thing, God says, Hey, I made a promise. And they kept saying, But it's not happening. And the truth is this. God doesn't change. If God made a promise, you better believe it. I don't care if it takes all your life. I've known people who've prayed for their family members to get saved. And they say, God, I'm giving them to you. I'm never, every day of my life, I'm going to pray for my wife to trust God your son. I'm going to pray for my son to turn to you. I'm going to pray for my daughter to get right with you. And they pray for 30 years, 40 years, and then they die. And then 10 years later, they get saved. You've got to understand, it's not our time. It's our trust. It's us saying, God, I, you don't change. And I'm just going to trust you. We sing that song, Trust and Obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You see, the truth is this. A little faith is always enough. It's not the size of our faith that moves the mountain. It's the size of our God. So trust him. So we come to God's timing. Look in chapter 21 and verse 1. 
Genesis 21 and verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time, <laughs> at the exact set time in which God had spoken to him. Look in verse 5. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son, what? He called him Isaac, didn't he? Was born unto him. God's timing is always right. It's always right. He had made everything beautiful when? In his time. See, God's timing, we call it the fullness of time, at the right time, God comes along and helps Sarah so that she can become a mom. What a gentle way to describe God personally helping Sarah, not leaving it to an angel or to a doctor or to a pill, but God himself making the impossible possible. And then chapter 21, verse 3. This is the great stuff. This is the whole point of the message. 21, verse 3. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him. He called him laughter. That's what Isaac means. God said, you're laughing, Abraham. Uh, your wife's laughing at me. Tell you what, when you have the kid, name him laughter. I want you to remember you laughed so that you'll laugh. When they were laughing at God, when they had given up on God, God said, when I give you that promise, when I fulfill that promise, when I answer my promise to you that you so wanted, you so believed for, and then you quit, don't worry, I will keep my promise. And when you hold that baby in your hand, make sure you name him Laughter. Name him Isaac. Chapter 18, verse 9 now. 18 and verse 9. Oh, no, uh, I already read all that. Uh, um, I got to find out. Oh, yeah. 21 verse 3. I was on the wrong page. 21 verse 3 says, And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. Now, you got to understand the irony of that thing. Every time it was time for dinner, she went, Laughter! <laughs> I laughed at God, and I have laughter in my home now. Isn't God good? It wasn't a mockery kind of laughter that God was laughing back at Sarah's lack of faith. It was, <laughs> God came true. Hey, laughter, get in here. It's time for dinner. Laughter, get off the game, cow, uh, camel. Come here, do your chores. Laughter was in their house. Not because they had great faith, but they had just enough to say, I trust God. And even when they ran out of faith, God said, I will never fail you God loves to laugh go to Psalm 16 Psalm 16 and verse 11 you know what it's like in heaven Psalm 16 you know what most of you think heaven is like Psalm 16 it's just a bunch of angels floating around you know in diapers and they're playing harps and and they're just floating around and nothing's quite going on no 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 Psalm 16 and verse 11. Psalm 16 and verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence, that's where we're going one day, is the fullness of what? You ever been so full of joy, you had to just laugh? You had to just, woo! That's heaven. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures that last for how long? You know what most people want? They want the pleasure now. Well, believe me, in hell, you're going to want one second of joy again. You won't have it. But if you have no pleasure now, one day, fullness of joy. God loves to laugh. Zephaniah, if you go all the way to the end of the Old Testament, just before Matthew, you'll find a little book called Zephaniah, Z-E-P-H. Find Zephaniah. If you find Zechariah, it's not the right guy. Keep going back to the left. Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, all of them. Zephaniah. He was a prophet back in the Old Testament trying to get Israel back right with God. But listen to what he says in Zechariah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is He's mighty. He will save. He will 
rejoice over thee with what? Does God get excited? Yes, he does. He will rest in his love and he will joy over thee with what? I don't, I don't ever comprehend it. I can't understand how God, when he thinks of me, he sings. That blows my mind. He will joy over thee like I do over my grandkids. He will joy over thee in the presence of God in heaven. There is joy. There is laughter. You know what? God wants us to laugh. Psalm 5. Go back to Psalm 5. Back in the middle of your Bible, Psalm 5. In verse 11. But let all those that put their trust in thee, what? I can't hear you. Rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Go to chapter 51. Psalm 51. Now I know why some of us struggle with laughter, why we struggle with real joy. It's because of sin. Psalm 51 and verse uh, 12. What does David cry out? What did he used to have that he doesn't have at this moment because of his sin with Bathsheba, because of the murder of her husband? Chapter 51 and verse 11, he says, uh, is that what I, no, verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Give me back that joy. He wants us to laugh, and especially moms. Psalm 113, Psalm 113. Psalm 113. You know, moms need, you need a laugh. Now, some women don't like tickles. Nita hates them. She's not here, so I can. But I love tickling her because it makes her laugh. And some of you need something to happen which just makes you laugh. Look at Psalm 113, verse 9. He maketh the barren woman to keep a house. Barren means she has no children. He makes it impossible for her to have a home, have a family, and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. God rewards just believing. We'll go back to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll be done. Hebrews chapter 11. We read about Abraham, but we read about Sarah. Just believe in his promises will restore joy. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham. Hebrews eleven eight, When he was called to go out to a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. That's faith. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. We call it the land, promised land. Israel is there now, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, we see tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. All right, so uh, did, did, um, did, um, did Abraham live by faith, yes or no? Yes. Abraham could do nothing to, be, to get his wife pregnant. Sarah could do nothing to make a miracle happen. All she could do is just believe. I want you to understand that because that is the point of this Bible. There are things you need to do in order to pay your bills, but there are things that you cannot do like to be forgiven, like to experience a miracle. You need to just trust God. Look at verse 11, because Sarah also, she believed God. Abraham discovered to be true and also Sarah, verse 11. Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past due, past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of her, of one, and of him as good as dead, of Abraham, as many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. My point is this. If you want to enjoy. Now, gentlemen, let me, before I make this statement, some of you, you're still stuck on that, that part where I said that wives need to let their husbands lead. And you went, yeah. You've missed the whole point of the message. Because you need to be a man who's worthy of being followed. 
You need to have some sort of track record where you are trusting God and you have a relationship with God. You and I need to be men who walk with God ourselves. You and I need to lead our homes by example and by wisdom. We just don't leave it to the wife. Lead, gentlemen. You and I need to be worthy of being followed. And I'm afraid we're not very worthy. And ladies, if all you heard was that you need to follow your husband, then you've missed the whole point too. Because if you want God to restore your joy, and if you want God to fill your mouth with laughter, accept the problems you have may actually be God at work and have a purpose in your life. Not able to have a baby. Trouble in your marriage. Trouble with your children. Health problems, financial problems. Some of the stuff we bring on ourselves, sometimes the devil throws at us, but sometimes God is there trying to get you to realize, I want you to not laugh at my promises. I want you to laugh because I make everything right. I want you to rejoice as a Christian. And by the way, everything doesn't have to go right for us to start to laugh, does it? Because that's what faith is. What a wasted life. 24 years, Sarah, actually 25 years, Sarah didn't laugh, didn't have joy. And then she's got this baby and she's, she says, everybody's laughing with me. It's the greatest day of my life. For the next 30 years, she has this, she's raising this boy. Would have been nice if she had the previous 25 years also had that joy, wouldn't it have been? So accept that God is at work in you. Love God and believe God. Before you ever have a need, love God. Love who God gave you. You know who Sarah needed to love as much as loving God? Loving Abraham. And Abraham was not your perfect husband. Struggle with the husband, ladies. But struggle with God, for God. Because God said, you know what? He's, I have not seen nor ear heard what God can do if I just trust you as I'm working with my husband, not against him. And also, let God lead through your husband. I believe a lot of marriages are broken because two people go in two different directions. And if they both just got their eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and said, we're just going to follow him, you're going to get closer and closer together. Things are going to work out a whole lot easier than two of you going your own ways. That, that pride has killed more marriages. Don't do that. Let God lead your husband. Pray for him. When he's not following God, pray for him more. Count your blessings. You know, God has been good to you, like Mona was trying to say there. You're coming to church, that's okay to be honest. It really is. It's okay to say I had a rotten week, but it's starting to look better. Because this is the first day of the week. This is the Lord's day, and I'm trusting God. Amen. Count your blessings. Look at your kids. Let me, you women, tell me you got grandkids, and the kids come over to the house. Count your blessings. Some of them may be going through hell on earth. Some of them may be causing you to go through hell on earth. Thank God and say, Lord, I don't know where you're going to take this, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to enjoy what I have. I'm going to worship you now. Sarah worshiped God. She did it first when she believed him, and then it got quiet. And in the end, she was back worshiping. Why don't you just worship the whole time? God doesn't change. He's worthy of our worship. That is when you'll find joy bubbling up inside of you. You'll start to laugh at life and even at problems instead of at God. And when I was not saved, when I was 14, 15, 16, people would talk about God very rarely, and when they would, we'd, we'd laugh. We'd laugh at God. You know what? God's got the last laugh. And here I am. I get to laugh now because I know him. I used to look up at the stars. And I used to be amazed at this. That was all an accident. And some of you would say, maybe God made it, and I'd laugh. Now when I look at it, I laugh. Go, I know who made it. I know him. <laughs> I know the one who knows every, the name of every star. My laughter has changed. It works for mothers. It works for everybody here today. And it works for getting saved, too. If you're not born again, ladies and gentlemen, you may be very hurt. You may be struggling just to breathe. You're just trying to get through life. And I'm here to tell you what Jesus did on the cross doesn't mean you're going to have a full pocket. doesn't mean you're not going to have a full bank. You're not going to have a... a a car, or a house. His death on the cross was so that you'd have a full pardon, so that you could be forgiven, so that you could have joy knowing I'm no longer going to hell. 
I've been washed, cleansed. I've been forgiven. God made me righteous when I was wicked. I trust him. And you'll never be the same. Stand with me. Let's bow in prayer. I like, Lord, how you include people in on the plan. It wasn't just Abraham and enough. All that you did for just one person. You could have ignored everybody else, but you're not that kind of a God. You had a plan also for Sarah's faith. And you made her a joyful mom. Lord, I don't know, some women in here, probably they're doing okay. That's wonderful. Maybe their kids aren't that old yet when they hit that teenage years and the grief begins and the sorrows and the troubles. Maybe they've gone on and maybe there have been problems in the home. Maybe there's a lot of past coming up and affecting the future. How do we laugh again? How do we have joy? How do we have faith again? Lord, it's you. When, when we just trust you, when we start to believe that we can't imagine how good you can make it if we would just trust you. And I don't have to have you do anything for me, God, except forgive me. Wash me. 42 years ago, you did that, and that was more than enough. And everything else I've had has been cream on the top. It has been wonderful, and it makes me laugh with joy. But God, you've been good to me. You've been good to the people in this room if they're saved, but if they're not, God, they're missing out. And it's not because somebody in this room can do something so they can be good, but if they would just believe that Jesus is enough, they would laugh and they'd never stop. The joy would be unspeakable and unstopping. So let somebody trust you today. Let everyone in this room say amen.